I'm Dr. Orion Taraban, and this is PsychAx Better Living Through Psychology. And the topic of today's short talk is where do players come from? So the myth of the natural is just that. It's a myth. There are very, very few men who are naturally confident with women. Very, very few men effortlessly attract women. How do I know this? Because in every other domain of life, nothing requires more effort than seeming effortless. So why would success with women be any different? The fact of the matter is that enjoying optionality with women requires a significant amount of skill. And while some men's natural talents will dovetail nicely with this particular skill set, which will help to explain the variance in outcomes we observe, a skill set remains, at the end of the day, a suite of behaviors that can be learned. So if men who enjoy significant success with women are not born but made, the question becomes, how does this occur? What are the circumstances that motivate men to invest the time, energy, and money necessary to acquire this skill set? In general, players are nice guys who got hurt one too many times and decided to do something about it. Players are almost always former nice guys and often former romantics, which, as I've discussed many times on this channel, is an attitude toward life that always ends in tragedy. And it's only the intense pain associated with these experiences that serves as sufficient motivation to master a skill set that almost by definition demands the learner undergo a substantial amount of personal rejection. It's after a significant heartbreak, sometimes one, sometimes several, that these guys, due to their patently poor outcomes, finally get around to examining their cherished beliefs about women and relationships and submit themselves to that study of effectiveness rigorously. The concept of effectiveness is key, as these guys are tired of not getting what they want. And what works, therefore, has to trump what they want to work or what they think should work when it comes to women. It's actually a fairly scientific mindset, and we can think of players as applied behavioral scientists who study the mating and dating behavior of women. And like science, it is best practiced with a kind of value neutrality because both players and scientists understand that reality has no obligation to conform to our beliefs about how reality should operate. One of my all-time favorite movies is the best cinematic example I know of this phenomenon. If people know of the Hong Kong film director Wong Kar Wai, they are probably familiar with what is generally considered his masterpiece, In the Mood for Love. It is currently ranked fifth on the Sight and Sound Critics Poll, the greatest movies of all time. People love this movie, and to be fair, it is a really excellent film. However, even fans of this movie sometimes don't know that Wong made a sequel to this film called 2046, which, in my opinion, is even better. Like its title suggests, In the Mood for Love is like a case study of a mood, a particular moment of life. It's brilliant, but it's also kind of simple. 2046, on the other hand, is much more complex and, to my mind, more honest. If In the Mood for Love is a still life, then 2046 is a symbolic allegory highly recommended. Now, before I go any further to explain what this has to do with where players come from, 
If you're liking what you're hearing, please consider sending this video to someone who might benefit from its message because it's word of mouth referrals like this that really help to make the channel grow. And you can also hit the super thanks button. It's in the lower right hand corner beneath the video, those three little dots and tip me in proportion to the value you feel you've received from this episode. Your support goes a long way and I really appreciate it. In any case, I feel comfortable discussing the main plot points of these movies because the artistry of the films is such that even if you know exactly what happens, they are still worth watching. In In the Mood for Love, Tony Lung plays a man named Chow who is married to a woman to whom he is faithful and devoted. However, about a third of the way through the movie, he learns that his wife is having an affair with his next-door neighbor's husband. The two of them, Chow and his female neighbor, Su Li Chen, kind of figure this out at the same time. And this creates an opportunity for the two to commiserate with each other as they find themselves in the strange situation of knowing that their spouses are cheating on them with each other. Over time, Chow ends up falling in love with Su Li Chen. And this doesn't work out well for him either, because we learn that she decides that she would rather remain faithful to her faithless husband than start a new life with Chow. This is a real kick in the teeth for Chow, as he is functionally cucked twice by the same man whom we never see on camera. That is, the same man successfully wooed Chow's wife and successfully retained his own wife's affections. Both Chow's wife and his neighbor prefer the cheating husband to him. So Chow has his heart broken twice over the course of the movie, and this presumably causes him to question both his life choices and his fundamental attitudes toward women and relationships. And that's where In the Mood for Love ends. The sequel, 2046, picks up the story of Chow's life a few years later, and he's almost a completely different man. He's grown this little, like, Clark Gable mustache. He dresses really slick, and he, as he confesses in the opening voiceover narration, he has a lot of one-night stands. But hey, nothing lasts forever anyway. And this, of course, is the attitude of a man who has been significantly betrayed by women. He thought he could trust his wife's commitment in marriage. He couldn't. He thought he could trust a woman's receptivity to his sincere love and affection. He couldn't. So rather than have his heart broken again, he embraces a world of temporary relationships and superficial interactions because, hey, at least you can get some pleasure here for a while, and maybe that's the best we can really hope for in life. You see this attitude most clearly in Chow's relationship with Bai Ling, played by the beautiful Zhang Ziyi, who incidentally was Jen in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. You know how much I love that movie. In one scene, he discusses his pragmatic views of relationships with her, namely that people just tend to borrow each other for a while. And that makes sense. He used to believe in marriage. Turns out his wife was just borrowing him for a while. He used to believe in love. Turns out his neighbor was just borrowing him for a while. We can get mad. We can get sad. Or we can accept that this is how it is. We just sort of use each other until we don't. And that is correct. That is the nature of things. And it's this indifference to the ephemerality of relationships that tends to characterize most players, and that helps Chow pass through a series of gorgeous lovers. That said, at the end of the day, this is a reactive position. It's a defensive posture that more or less protects the individual 
from falling back into the fallacies that leave him vulnerable to pain and betrayal. And we know this is a defensive posture for Chow because we see occasional cracks in the facade. For instance, he plays it so cool with the fiery Bai Ling that she ends up falling in love with him and offers him a committed relationship. Now, I believe that Chow fell in love with Bai too, at least to a certain extent, but his player code, his defensive posture, clearly forbade him from going down that path. And in that scene, he is like shaking with self-restraint. Like it takes every ounce of his strength to go against his emotions and tell Bai to get lost. He knows that he will lose Bai by doing so, but he also knows that he will lose himself if he doesn't. One of the many meanings of 2046 in the film is that it is the title of a science fiction story that Chow is writing about a man who tries to escape from a city where time stands still. By analogy, we can consider Chow's various adventures with women as a collective attempt to escape, to move on from, the standstill, the trauma, of his heartbreaks. Do check out both of these films, as they are both excellent movies in their own right and faithful portrayals of men's reactions to romantic failure and betrayal. What do you think? Does this fit with your own experience? Let me know in the comments below. And if you've gotten this far, you might as well like this episode and subscribe to this channel. You can also consider becoming a channel member with perks like priority review of comments or booking a paid consultation. As always, thank you for listening.